live is Christ and to die is gain. Bringing the hook in the game. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, family. Good morning. All right. Anybody excited about the word? All right, all right. Then, then let's go ahead and stand for the reading. morning, church. I'll be reading five scriptures. The first one is Proverbs 19, 20 to 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction. May gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. That is the purpose of the Lord. No, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 16, 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Yeah. Yeah. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Yeah. Proverbs 16, 3. Proverbs 16.1, mortals make elaborate plans, but God has the last word. Yeah. And lastly, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Father, we receive your plans for us today, God. We ask you, God, to speak to us. Prepare the speaker and the hearer. Prepare the mouth and the heart, God, that we may receive your word and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Yeah, here's the quote. Here's the quote this morning. Ready? Get your tweeters out. Some of you got slow phones, so it takes a little bit. <laughs> I went in, right? Sorry. When the will of man comes across the will of God, one of them has to die. Thank you. Good night. Yeah, you wish. So, I didn't get to finish. I spoke too soon last week. I didn't get to finish 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. But you know, there, there was still some good stuff there at the end. And, 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 and I wanted, you know how when you eat a mango, anybody eats mangoes? You like mine? But I, I wonder if you guys know how to eat it though. Because some, some of you do the weird stuff. You cut off the little, and you suck it through the, the who does that? Who, who does that here? Afuera. Sorry. You, <laughs> that's not how you eat a mango. You gotta slice pieces off of it, right? And then, and then you take that right piece. Listen, you gotta be prepared to eat a mango. You can't do this in somebody's house. You gotta do it in your house, right? Because, because a mango is messy, right? And so you take that piece that you sliced off, you open it this way, right? And you in there, right? And your face is sticky, and there's strings in your teeth, 
and you don't care, right? It's good. And, and then you slice another little piece of that and you tear that up until it's nothing. You can see through the skin. That's how you know you got every little piece of that, right? And then when that's done, I, I've seen some people, some people try to serve me manga. They, they cut it in pieces. Come on, get out of here with that. If you, if you can't get messy, then eat grapes. But if you want to get down with this fruit, you, this is how you do it, right? Then you grab that seed with your bare hands, right? And you get busy on that thing until, until that thing is dry. Dry, right? Your face is sticky, you are messy, you need a bath right now, but the seed is dry. There ain't nothing on that thing. If it's alright with you, I want to get messy with it today. Amen? In, in a message titled, Yours, Not Mine. Yours, Not Mine. So let's, let's jump right into chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You should always have it open in case one day I lose my mind and I start preaching stuff that's not in there. You can pick up your kids, grab your kids and get out. Amen? Like very well you should. So, so let's jump right into chapter 16. He starts talking about, right off the bat, he, he, he just gets done with the resurrection. He gets done with all this heavy stuff that we preached about last week. And now he's wrapping things up. He says, he starts dealing with some practical things, right? He says right there in chapter 16, he starts talking about the offerings for the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And so whenever Paul starts with now concerning or with regards to, it shows us that Paul is answering questions that were asked of him. You, you see that? So whenever he says, now, now regarding this, or now concerning this, that means he's answering questions that were asked of him. So he says, now concerning this, concerning the offering, he says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Now, I want you to see two things in here real quick. Notice he writes, on the first day of the week. Some versions will say on Sunday. And I want you to see here that the early church started meeting Sundays since the resurrection, to celebrate the resurrection. Anybody dealt with people that want to fight with you on the church should be meeting Saturday, we should have this the Sabbath, they go on and on and on. This gives us an indication, Paul is showing, that the early church started meeting on Sundays. So he says, so when you gather together on Sundays, put something aside for the poor. Now, the, he, he isn't teaching about tithing right here. Paul is teaching generosity. Everybody's holding on to their wallets real tight. There's no other offering coming. Relax. I'm gonna talk, I can talk about money all day. Nobody's going to ask for more money. So relax. Take it easy. Alright? Tranquilo. Okay. I just want to get that out because you guys are getting tense. I want you to relax. Okay? So he says, this is not, he's not talking about tithing here. He's talking about generosity. He's, he's talking about, you know, what we're called to be. He says, each one should give as he may prosper, the word says. What does that mean? He's saying, as God blesses you, you should bless. Listen, that should be a life principle for us. Amen? I'm not talking about tithing, I'm not talking about, but, but it's a beautiful thing. I, I love the fact that God doesn't ask us to give something we don't have. Even when we come to the tithe, right? Even if we were talking about the tithe, and if God says we should give 10%, what is He saying? If you have nothing, what's 10% of nothing? Amen! Right? Not, not, so, so God's not asking us to give something we don't have. God is saying, as He prospers, so as you get blessed, 
from that blessing you should bless. You, you see that? That's a life principle. But all right, we're not going to get into that. You guys are getting uncomfortable. So he, Paul's been preaching about unity, and unity, he's showing us that unity is about supporting the body. Paul was teaching that the church should take care of the church. You understand? Alright, good. So then, moving up. Paul starts talking about Timothy, and then he starts talking about Apollos. And before this chapter is over, he, starts talk, he talks about five other people beside himself. And, and I love this because each of those people that he speaks of, he talks about what they've done for the kingdom, he talks about who they are, he insists that the church at Corinth accept them and listen to them and respect them and honor them as ministers. And I love that the fact that even though Paul planted this church, even though Paul has laid down his life to plant these churches. Paul is a church planner. Even though Paul has, has, has had to endure all of the stuff that comes with building a church, I know about that stuff. It's a little different now than it was then, but it gets vicious. Amen? So even though Paul is the one that planted this church, Paul acknowledges that these others in fact were leaders, that they were examples, that they were part of this church building project, and they were part of this team that God used to establish and bless His church. Paul takes the shine off of himself, and he says there are other leaders here that you could look to. There are other leaders here that are examples. He, Paul's already told us, follow me as I follow Christ, right? And now he says, look at these people too, because they're examples. And so you can follow them as they follow Christ too. See, family, that's a picture of the body of Christ. <clears throat> I love, I know personally there is no way that we can have what in my opinion is an incredible church today. Amen? Anybody agree? Damn, Walter, I'll get you out of here. In my opinion, it's an incredible church, a loving church. In my opinion, a growing and maturing church. I, I can proudly tell you today that I know it's not because of me. Amen? I know the same way I faced opposition and resistance, some persecution even at times because of this church plan. I know that there's people like Pastor Mark and Pastor Melissa. I know that there's, that there's people like Pastor Gary. I know that there are deacons and, and ministers and pastors and, 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 and people that have you know, stood and continue to stand for the vision of this church. There are members here and new believers here that agree and stand and say with their lives, not just their mouths. But I get it. I get the vision of this church. I love that the Sanctuary Fellowship is not George Martinez Ministries. And it never will be. Or any other name for that matter. I love that we preach Christ and Christ crucified. Period. And that that's the only name that will ever be exalted higher than any other. Amen? And, and so family, that's why although I guard this pulpit and I hold it with the utmost respect, I wouldn't let just anybody get behind it, but I do share it. I do believe that, that, that we should hear from each other. I do believe because we, we believe that the, you know, we're training people to do the work of the ministry. I believe that as a body we need to hear from other lives that are submitted to God. Amen? And so that's why you'll see men, women, and even children preaching from this pulpit. Amen? 
And, and there's, the, you know, there, there's, there's preferences and there's this and there's that and sometimes, but, but it's, it's just amazing to me and I love that, that we can do that, that we have a platform to do that. Why? Because it's not mine. Yours, not mine. Amen? Yours, not mine. God, your purpose is not my programs. Your instructions, not my inclinations. Your directions, not my desires. Your will, not my wanting. Yours, not mine. Somebody say amen. I got to tell you, I, I didn't learn that from too many men. I didn't learn that from watching too many people. I didn't have too, too many examples of that. But I see it in Paul. I see it in Paul. And I agree with it, and, and, it, and it checks with my spirit, and, it, and, and, I, and I stand on it, and I believe in it. Now, now listen, this next part, there's something else here in this message, in this chapter. And I believe because of this next piece, I'd have to say last week's message on the gospel, true story, and this message is probably one of the most important messages of the year. And that's crazy to say in March, right? But, but don't say that you don't have to come no more. That, you know, you still have to show up. Still a good idea to, you know, amen? When reading this last chapter, for me, this summed up Paul's life for me. And, and we can start to see it here in verse 5. If you, if you turn to verse 5 of chapter 16, you, I want you to kind of see something here. The, the, the ESV, the English Standard Version, labels the paragraph, plans for travel. So read along with me real quick. Verse 5, he says this way. He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. And perhaps I'll stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever it is that I'm going to go. Verse 7. For I don't want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective work has opened for me here and there are many adversaries. Did you notice the words that Paul uses here? Some were very definite. I will visit, I will stay. And a lot of the other words were very uncertain. I intend, I hope, I pray, if the Lord permits. Now, Paul was an effective church planter, which means Paul had a plan, man. Paul was a man on mission. He had definite plans. Paul had an idea of what he wanted to do. He had the fire behind him. He, he, had, you know, he had worked things out in his head. He was walking you know, in what he thought was the right way to do things. But if you read this piece, you can say, man, this guy can't decide on nothing. Right? Why is he saying, uh, I will, um, if, um, you know, I'm going to come by, um, maybe I'll stay with you a little long, um, you know, if God permits, I mean, I want to, but, but I might not be able to. Why, why, why does he sound so uncertain? Because by reading the rest of it, you know that Paul had definite plans. He was a man on mission. But what's awesome and what, I, what really summed it up for me and what I want you to get is that Paul was a man on mission, but Paul always left room for God. Church, you got to get this, all right? Don't get, don't get distracted. Close your phones. Don't get distracted. Don't look at apps. Don't show nobody an app. Don't text or tweet anybody right now. Please, just, just press in and hear this because I believe we need to hear this. 
Paul left room for God. Paul set things up, Paul made plans, but it was as if Paul expected God every time to come alongside him and sometimes take the wheel. It was as if he, as if he expected it. Church, we have to walk that way. We have to walk, and, and, and but listen, it doesn't mean we don't make plans. It doesn't mean we, we're not wishy-washy, the people that show up, oh, no, whatever God wants it, I'm just, I'm just here to be a vessel, I'm just here to be a servant. Um, no, we have to make plans, definite plans, but in those plans we have to say, expect that at any moment God may say, Aah. at any moment God can take the wheel, amen? At any moment, God can say, listen, Paul, I know that you plan to go right through here to get there, but I want you to stay here a little longer. That, that ever happened to anybody? But like, like, like Jesus would say, listen, I know there's a shorter way to get there from here, but I want you to go the long way for a reason. <laughs> Come on, anybody ever complain because they were on the long way? <laughs> Amen. I'm speaking to three of you. I'm excited. Praise God. God knew you were coming, and so that's why He spoke to the four of you. Sometimes we, sometimes we say, but God, this would be so much easier. To, anybody advise God sometimes? But, but God, this would be so much... Just hear me out, G. Hear me out. Hear me out. I know you're the beginning and the end and the Alpha and the Omega. I know you see all things. I know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wouldn't it be so much easier if I just went from here to here and, and you just blessed me that way? So if that's okay, that's how I'm going to do it. You know, and we, and we like, you know, are you going to strike me dead if I go, or, you know. But, but we, we try to advise, but listen, sometimes God will make us go the long way and it's for a reason. Oh man, God bless those that are on the long way right now, amen? I love that Paul knew that and that Paul was totally about that. Church, I, I want us to be a church that's all about that. Not agenda, not program, not, not, not all this religious, all this craziness. Right? I want us to be all about that. I love that Paul understood that. He, Paul, Paul said, listen, perhaps we're going to go there, perhaps we'll, we'll get there, perhaps we'll do this, perhaps we'll start that, but ultimately, I'm going to be where He wants me to be. Ultimately, it's going to be yours, not mine. Anybody, anybody agree with that this morning? Church, I really feel that this has to speak to us today. Listen, if you don't understand this part of the Christian life, then you have never really stepped in. Do you know it's possible to be a church attender for like 20 years and not be changed by the Spirit of God? Isn't that crazy? Like a waste of time? You've been sitting here, banked on you, and you're still the same knucklehead that walked in 20 years ago? You old now, you gray hair, you got no hair, you still haven't learned nothing, you're still doing the same things? Because you thought just being around Christians was going to make you Christian? <laughs> Do you know hanging out at McDonald's doesn't make you a burger? <laughs> Listen. 
Listen, you really need to get this because if you don't understand this part of your Christian life, you've never really stepped in. You're not seeing any victory. There's no adventure in your walk. There's no excitement in your religion. You're not having any fun. And there's probably little evidence that shows you're any different from anybody else. Church, hear, hear me. If you're still telling testimonies from 22 years ago, What has God done last week? What did God do this week? You, 22 years ago, He healed your cousin's, grandmother's, uncle's neighbor from cancer? Hallelujah, amen. But that was 22 years ago, son. What is God doing now? Amen? Listen, you, you, you really got to get that because, because God didn't stop being God 22 years ago. So what did, so who changed? What changed? From the time God did something incredible in your life, God is still doing, He's still in the miracle working business, He's still doing things, right? So, so God is still the same, but I, I don't like hear people complaining, Oh my God, God won't do what I want Him to do, God won't let me do this, I asked Him to do this, He doesn't do this, I asked Him to do Shh. Honestly, can I tell you something? You're not going to make it. If you don't get this today, you're not going to make it. Probably be better off if you stop now and stop frustrating yourself. Because listen, the Christian life is impossible. <laughs> you crazy. The Christian life is impossible when you're trying to do it on your own. Everything we've talked about through this book, unity, love, accepting one another, forgiving one another, sexual immorality, Paul has been talking about living a spirit-led life. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, I can do all things. But he doesn't stop there. There's not a period there. I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, so Paul is saying, I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength. Amen? I can be strong, but the power is yours, not mine. Right? I, I can be, I can overcome, I can be an overcomer, but the strength is yours, not mine. I, I can be, I can be a more than a conqueror, but the battle is yours, not mine. Oh, come on. Anybody getting excited? Listen, this is one of the most basic foundations of our faith, but I think too often we don't get it right. What does it look like to walk in the Spirit? I'm so glad we sang this song today about the, the Spirit and the Spirit. Like, what? We couldn't have planned this better. What does it look like to walk in the Spirit? Listen, you've probably seen the extremes on both sides, and they make you uncomfortable. Anybody? One extreme is the super spiritual. I call that the super knucklehead. That's the guy, he won't get dressed unless he feels led by the Spirit to get dressed. Anybody talk to people like that? I don't know, I'm praying about having chicken or tuna today. 
That's the kind of guy that, you know, we had in a big event here, we had to put chairs back. And he said, brother, we need you to help us put the chairs back. Oh, amen, man, I'm going to pray about that. How about, how about you put the chairs back and pray while you're putting the chairs back? How about that? Listen, that sounds really holy. And that's the thing, you know, we want to sound holy. We want to come across like, whoa, you know, that guy's feet don't touch the floor. That's a holy man of God. I almost see the ring around his head, you know. It sounds really holy, but it's actually quite crippling and, in my opinion, very immature. Why do I say that? Because the Word of God is full of God's plans for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works. So we were created to do. I don't know anybody that has created something for it to do nothing. Can you imagine, like, I created, I don't know, a square. Why did you make this square? Like, you, any, every creation, it has a purpose because otherwise there'd be no reason to create it, right? So you take this little square that you made and you made it so that it can be a paperweight. You made it so that it can be a wedge. You made it so that it can be a doorstop. It was created for something, amen? So if a little door block, rock, whatever, was created with purpose, how much more you and me? Created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Paul tells us in Ephesians. See, the Word has already given us so many of the things that God wants us to do, and plenty of the things that He doesn't want us to do. See, we're blessed already with the Word that if God never said another word for us, somebody got to hear this today. For the rest of our lives, He's already given us what we need to live, to breathe, to have life, to have it abundantly, and to have it eternally. He's already told you to love people, so shut up and love people. There's no getting around that. Trust me, I've looked for loopholes. There's no way to get around that. He, he, you don't need to be led by the Spirit to love people. You don't need to be led by the Spirit to forgive people. God has already told you to do that. Stop praying about it. You don't need to be led by the Spirit to work in ministry, to work, to do things, to, to actually be useful. To walk in love, to forgive people, to encourage, to serve. You don't need to be, you just have to be obedient. And that's the word that we struggle with, right? Two words we hate in church, submit and obey. Submission and obedience. Oh, shut up. Nobody wants to hear that. You'll never build a church talking about that. But we have to be humble enough to submit, humble enough to serve. The other extreme to that, that, that spiritual balance there is the super carnal. You got the super spiritual and then the super carnal. And that's the guy, he ain't trying to hear anything the Spirit says because it's not what they want to do. See how quiet it got? They don't want to walk in it. They feel an urgency to help out in an area, but they quickly take a tums and get over it. They said that was just heartburn. 
That wasn't, that wasn't the Spirit leading me to... They, they feel sometimes God is pressing on them to, to, to go or somewhere to be a part of something or to give. But they say, that was definitely the poor chops from last night. The God surely does not want me to give what's, you know, that extra money that I got at work that, that, that was extra that I didn't even expect. God surely doesn't want me to give. He don't want me messing with that. That's a blessing. Oh, wait a minute, but God blesses us so that we can bless. But God gives us so that we can give. See, you have to understand, this is almost like a trick. You can't fool God, don't, you know, don't even try it. But it's almost like a trick. It, when God sees somebody pouring out, God knows that if that person is blessing, then he needs blessing. Do, do you see the formula? God knows. God, God doesn't let somebody that's blessing, that's pouring out, he don't let it run dry. God will always fill because He's pouring. So as long as you keep pouring, God will keep filling. You, this, this is not some prosperity junk. I'm not trying to, this is how you get rich. You give a thousand dollars and God's going to give you a million. Give, give me a right, write a check. No, but it's just a life principle. It's, it's God, how, how God created when we When we give, when we serve, when we bless, then, then the blessings just fall. They fall, pressed down, shaking together, and rolling over. Amen? So Paul, Paul teaches us there's that super spiritual and there's the super carnal. You know, but they, they don't want God pressing on them to do nothing. Just leave me alone. I came to church. I'm here. I made my wife happy for the day. Leave it alone. Leave me where I'm at. I'm comfortable. I'm in the fifth row in the, to the left side. And I'm, I'm good. Just leave me alone. Right? Everybody knows me in church. I smile at people. I say, how you doing? I even say, God bless you a couple times. So, so I'm praying for people. Right? People sneeze at work. I say, the Lord bless you. I show them I'm a Christian. Right? So I'm testifying. I'm an evangelist at work. So leave me alone, right? See, but Paul teaches us we can be led by the Spirit or we can be led by the flesh. Still be a Christian. This, this is the key. You got to get this. Still be a Christian and we can be led by the Spirit or led by the flesh. True story. A person told me this once. He's here, but I'm not going to shout him out. So if you hear it, just pretend like, oh, that's a good story. He's not talking about me. A person told me once, this is a long time ago, he was struggling with giving. He was struggling with paying a tithe. And, and he felt like he should tithe, and he felt like he should give, you know, because God was pressing on him, and God was telling him to release it. And so he calculated the number, and, and the number was, you know, something like $318 or something, $518. It was an exact number. He calculated it. And he said, this is what I'm supposed to give. And he was struggling with that, and, and, and it turned out he didn't do it. You know how you pretend when you're looking when the offering comes? And you're like, oh, oh, no, pasó. Oh. Or, or as, soon as, as soon as Mark prays for the ushers to come, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. And then you're in the bathroom by the door waiting. Oh, he's dismissing the kids. All right, come on. Oh, I missed the offering. Oh, oh next week, next week, next week. Next week. So, so this person was struggling, right? And he had this number, it was 318, 518, whatever. He resisted. And then what happens that week? His car breaks down. Now the person knows, right? You know if it's you now. His car breaks down and he takes it to get repaired. And when he goes to pick it up, the mechanic tells him it's 518. 
Now listen, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God broke his car down. I'm not saying God punished him. I'm not saying God's going to, you know, do this nastiness to you and be grimy. God doesn't need your money, right? But, but for this person, that was a sign to him that, that, that it, it was the exact amount that he didn't want to give to God, but now he was forced to give it to a total stranger, to a mechanic. It, it was saying, like, God, God is saying, I, I don't need your money, but, but I can let you waste it if you want to. Church, listen, I've lived blessed with a little less, and I've had more and still felt poor. Anybody? I've, oh man, I've had more and still felt poor. Still had bill collectors dodging them, you know? No, honey, don't answer that. You're laughing because you do it all the time. <laughs> no, don't answer that. No, no. Citibank, shh. Don't even keep it down quiet so they don't know we're home. You're like, honey, it's the phone, <laughs> you know. But you you get crazy like that, right? Listen, I've been there, and then and then and then I, I find out I've, when I left the corporate job and went to full time ministry, I took like a forty thousand dollar pay cut, and I I was blessed with less. It, ridiculous, right? That, that that math doesn't work. But but man, when when you when you all right. So anyway. Listen, regarding our finances, I don't, I don't think it's really about the tithe. I don't think it's really about the 10%. I mean, that's important to the church. Please, you know, understand it helps us run in. And honestly, it's extra pressure on us when we have to worry, like, can we make the rent this month? Can we pay Con Ed? Can we, can we you know, push off the, the insurance? Can we, is this covered? Can we have this large event for the kids? Because that's going to cost two grand. Can we, can we really buy curriculum for the Sunday school? Or should we just tell them to pray in the Spirit and be led and teach the kids? Right, because all these things, you know, so it helps us. But listen, for God, I don't really think it's about the tithe. I think it's about surrendering that part of your life and being led by the Spirit there as well. See, when we don't release the area of our finances to God, we're saying, God, lead me in this, be for me in that, be here, do this. But when it comes to my money, I got that. I got that. I don't need you in that area. I got this. Amen? Paul is talking about living a spirit-led life. And that means when it comes to finances, God, yours, not mine. When it comes to relationships, where the single people at? God, yours, not mine. So many times we want to get into this relationship and then ask God to bless it. That's not, that's foolish. It's the same thing as when we find that with everything else. We step into it and do it, and then, I, you know, that's why I don't get on roller coasters. <laughs> I know, totally like left field, right? I don't get on roller coasters. First of all, I don't like the feeling of all that. I don't like that. But I say, I can't pray when I'm on a roller coaster because God didn't tell me to get on this thing. So I can't like say, well, God, please don't let me get killed. Please don't let me fall out. Please don't let me get killed. No, God, God, God could just turn to me and say, I didn't tell you to get on that. <laughs> so I know that's a little foolish. That's just one of my things, right? But, but we can't like put ourselves in places and then tell God to bless it. Like he's a genie, right? We can't say, God, I want this heathen with the three sixes on his neck tattoo, but I think he's a good person and he really likes that I go to church. Come on, man, really? 
Really? No, I think he's even gonna he's gonna cover the, the, the three sixes up next week. Like with a pentagram. <laughs> but he's not gonna have the marks anymore. We we have to say, God, yours, not mine. With my finances, with my relationships, with where I live, with where I work, with where I go to church. God, yours, not mine. You wanna know the secret to, to a consistent Christian life? I'm glad one person does. Man, we should just talk. Forget, forget these people. We should just go in the conference room and talk. The, the three of us that are amen. <coughs> the secret to a consistent Christian life is you gotta be spirit-filled and spirit-led. So, alright, you, you might be new here and you say, what is all this spirit stuff? What's the Holy Spirit, Santo, Santo, Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost? What, what is all of this stuff, the third person in the Trinity? Let me break it down real simply. Can we do that for a second? Because some of you have been in church 30 years and you still don't get this. The Holy Spirit is God. Just as is the Son, just as is the Father. Jesus says in John 16, it was the last night when he gathered and, and with his disciples and he was about to go and be crucified. And he gathers the apostles and he tells them, listen, it is best for you that, that I go away. He said, I'm going to go away now. And it's best for you that I go away because if I go away, the comforter will come. Oh, come on, you got to get this. If, if I don't go away, the Comforter won't come. But if I go away, the Comforter will come. He will because I'm going to send them to you. See, another picture of the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. That's one of the attributes of the Spirit of God is the Comforter. And what's awesome about the Comforter is that He's always with you. Listen, when Jesus became flesh... Right? When God put on skin for us and, and became the, the invisible image of God, when, when, when He became flesh, Jesus, He can only be with certain people at a certain time. Right? Jesus, God is everywhere, but Jesus in the flesh couldn't be with everybody. He could only be with a certain group. So Jesus said, it's better for you that I go, because if I go, I'm going to send the Comforter. I'm going to send the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God lives inside of every individual that believes in God. So the Spirit of God can be with each and every one of us. Guess what? Even when we're not in church. Santo, oh my God. The Spirit of God is with us everywhere. What? In the club when we're bumping and grinding. The Spirit of God, if you're a believer, is there. On Facebook, when you're trashing and triming, the Spirit of God is there. When you're seeing things you shouldn't be seeing, when you're in places you shouldn't be, the, if you're a believer, the Spirit of God is there. So, the Comforter came, the Holy Spirit is sealed in each and every believer. The Word teaches us that we become His temple. Amen? Now let me show you some of the things that, that the Spirit does. John 16, 8, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. The Holy Spirit tells, gives you, shows you your need for Christ. Anybody, you, you ever done something and you know, you get that feeling that you know you shouldn't be doing that? that that's amazing because that's the Spirit of God in you. You know how you can prove that? Because in you there's nothing else that's good. There's nothing good in you that's going to make you feel bad about sinning. Do, do you get that? You want me to prove it? Grab your little two and three year olds. Did you ever teach them to sin? But don't they lie? Right off the bat? Who did that? I don't know. Right? 
Did you teach him how to lie? No, but there's nothing good in him. We're born in sin. That's, that's proof to me. Right? He could, the, the baby could have markers, you know, black ink, red ink all over their face. Who wrote on that wall? I don't know. <laughs> right? Dripping in ink. I don't know. They lie. How do they learn how to lie? There's nothing good in us. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. It convicts us. The Holy Spirit gives us a new life, the Word says. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Jesus said it takes the Holy Spirit to give us spiritual birth in John 3.16. It is it's through the Spirit that God's love was poured into our heart. Romans 5.5 5. The Holy Spirit provides an inner witness, an assurance to you that you're a Christian. If you were wondering, how do I even know that I'm a Christian? Well, the first thing you should do is pray it anyway, right? Ask God into your heart and, and make it, settle it right there. But the Spirit gives you an assurance that you are. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. It's an enabler. It leads you to the truth of God's Word. It illuminates the Bible so that you're able to understand. You know how sometimes you read the Word and you don't get it, and then other times you read it and it just comes alive? It's like mango juice all over you all of a sudden. It's like, wow, you're getting messy with it, you're in it. That's the Holy Spirit of God that, that, that illuminates the Word for you. The Holy Spirit gives us power. It gives us spiritual effectiveness in our witnessing in Acts 1.8. It intercedes for you when, 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 when you feel like you don't know how to pray or how to talk. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. The Spirit of God in you prays for you. Oh my, we should be a little more excited about this. See, the, the Holy Spirit was sent by Christ to enable you to live the Christian life. Paul wrote, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Anybody got any dead dreams? The Spirit of God who rose Jesus from the dead is living in you. The Spirit of resurrection is in you. Speak to those dreams. Speak to those dead dreams. Speak to that, to the deadness in you. I feel dead. I feel like there's nothing. I feel empty. I feel void. Then speak to the dead in you because the spirit of resurrection is in you. That's how we can kill cancer. That's how we can speak death on disease because the spirit of life is in us. Now, when you believe and when you pray in faith, the Holy Spirit resides in you, but you may not be yielding your life to that direction. Listen, the Spirit of God could be in you. He may be a resident without being president. That's good preaching right there. <laughs> I don't care what y'all say. Family, now more than ever before, we need to be Spirit-led. But that just doesn't just happen. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's about listening. It's about praying. It's about submitting. Listen, being, being led by the Spirit shouldn't make you weird. It shouldn't make you weird. You shouldn't walk around all the way. Whoa! Like in, in places like, like you're not in control. See, the Spirit is subject to, the, to, to, to us. God, God that's, that, that could be demonic possession. Listen, I, I've been in Espiritismo and in Santeria, and I know what it's like to be taken over by a Spirit, and for it to throw you on the floor, and for it to scream. I know what that's like. I've done that. The Spirit of God is nothing like that. 
The Spirit of God will, will, will fill you and, and, and there's a presence in you and, and then you know that I can walk right off the stage and still be floating because of the Spirit of God. But it's not going to take me and throw me to the floor and bust my teeth. So the Spirit shouldn't make you weird. It should just make you connected. Church, we got to live this way. We got to live connected. The Holy Spirit is going to give you, and I'm going longer today, but, but just hold on for me a couple seconds. The, the whole, a couple hours. The Holy Spirit gives you discernment. The Holy Spirit gives you discernment. It gives you direction. It gives you insight. It gives you illumination. You ever been walking down the street and you feel like, I need to cross? And, and, and let, let me clear that up. There's five thugs walking towards you and you feel like you need to cross the street. That's not so much the spirit of discernment. That's, that's wisdom. Or you're just a punk. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I'm saying, you know that feeling? You know that feeling when, 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 when you get like, man, I got to talk to this person. Wait, I got to reach out to this person. You know, when you get a name, all of a sudden, I got to talk to this person. I got, listen, so many times I've done that. I've reached out to people and I tell them, listen, God, God just put you on my heart today. And the person will write back and say, oh, God. I'm sitting in the hospital today. I just lost this. I lost this. Why would you call me today? And I said, because the Spirit put you in. You know what I'm saying? This living Spirit filled. So many times I've gotten an email or a phone call or a message and somebody say, Pastor, I know God wants me to tell you that this is going to be this and that's going to be that. And, and I just... Because Spirit led, the Spirit gives you this kind of insight. Church, church, if you're not living this way, you're not really stepping in and it's not fun, then the Christian life is boring. It's all about don't do this and do this, do this and don't do this. Don't curse, don't drink, don't smoke, be nice to people, be good, be good people. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is the Spirit of God is inside me. I, I don't need to get high. I'm already high. And, and, and the Spirit of God is inside me. And so, so when I'm walking, that means I look over a crowd and I see the lady in pink. And, and, and the Lord tells me, God says everything's going to be all right. God says, I got him. I got that kid under my hand and he's under my wing and I'm watching him. Don't worry, I got it covered. And the person goes, oh my God, how could you know that? But it's not me, it's the Spirit of God, Amen. See, when Christians are spirit-led, then God is glorified and God will show himself real to those that don't believe. That's the best witness. Listen, you know why there's a generation that's so disconnected to God? It's partly because of all the Christians that they see on TV and all the Christians that they see in their lives whose lives are so compromised and contradicting that it's hard for them to believe. It's hard for them to believe. They say, wait, this guy, I know two Christians at work. Are you kidding me? See, Paul showed us how to be spirit-led by the way he made plans and by the way he lived his life. But listen. <coughs> Sorry. I get a little excited. But now, if you think about that, and if you read the stories and all the things that happened to Paul, and if, and if you're smart, which I know many of you are, you can say, wait a minute, didn't Paul end up in some really hard places? Didn't Paul get attacked many times? Didn't Paul get left for dead many times? Didn't Paul end up locked in jail again and again? And the answer is yes. Yes. 
And so the question should come, well, did Paul end up in hard or bad places because he listened to God or because he didn't listen to God? And I'm sure we can find places in Scripture where there were both instances. But we definitely know that some of those hard places that Paul ended up in were places where the Spirit of God actually led him to. See, when you find yourself in the hard places, and you will, that's not the time to ask whether you were listening to God or not to get here. But that's what we do. That's the time to start listening to God and say, God, what am I supposed to do to get out of here? Anybody? See, the problem is that's where too many people stop listening to God. And, and you, you find yourself in a hard spot and you say, man, God, I've been going to church. I've been trying to do good. I've been praying. I've been trying to do things right. And look where I ended up. Forget you, God. One time we read the story, Paul ends up in jail with Barnabas and they're locked in a maximum security prison for doing nothing but being led by the Spirit. And so what happens real quick in the midnight hour, the Word says, and, and that's usually in the midnight hour, that's usually where people in the flesh start complaining. In the midnight hour, that's usually where, where people whose hope is in themselves, they start conniving and scheming, how am I going to get out of here? That's usually the hour when people start finger pointing. It's your fault that I'm here. It's your fault that this happened to me. That's usually... But Paul and Barnabas, they were spirit-led in the sense, in the midnight hour, they started worshiping. Come on, give me a minute or two. Watch this. God didn't tell them to start worshiping. God didn't, God didn't, they didn't get a word from somebody that said, if you start worshiping, I'll let you out of prison. No. They just started worshiping because that's who they were. Right? And when they started worshiping, the Word says that the jail shook and the doors blew open and freedom fell on the entire place. And you know the story, the warden was about to fall on his sword because if he loses all those prisoners, he was going to be killed by his leaders. But, but, but Paul stopped them and that evening Paul led him and his entire family. They all became Christians. Sometimes Paul, God, sometimes the Spirit of God will put us in a hard place and we got to say, God, why am I here? What am I here to do? Who am I here for? Church, the safest place to be is in the will of God. And we spoke about this through the entire book. Paul says there's spiritual Christians and there's carnal Christians. I'm not, not going to get into it. I'm going to skip all that. I'm sorry, this was really long. But we have the choice every day. To let the Holy Spirit lead us? Are we going to be controlled by something else? Are we going to have fear about the future or our desire to get what we want? Is that going to become more important than obeying Christ? But listen, when the Holy Spirit fills you, He controls your thoughts and your actions. You can't, you can't be filled with hatred or fear or worry when you're filled with the Spirit because there's no room. So, alright, let's stand for a second. We're not going to end with the worship team. We're just, listen, if you're ready to live radical, I want you to pray with me. That's it. And that's it. We go home. Amen. Punto y ya. We're going to pray a prayer together. I know I don't usually do this, but we're going to pray a prayer together. And whew, this prayer nothing magical about the prayer. Well, there's, there's, there's always something magical about a prayer because we're speaking to the God of the universe and because we believe that He hears us and because we believe that if we pray according to His will, He answers us. And so we're, what we're going to pray right now is a dangerous prayer. So I suggest 
If you don't mean it, don't repeat it. I suggest if you don't want your life to change, if you like things the way they are right now, just fake it. So that nobody knows that you're not praying. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to be singled out or not. But if you believe this, if you're ready to live radical, if you're ready to have God interrupt your sleep, if you're ready to have God interrupt your cozy time, your comfortable time, if you're ready, God, to move you to another level, to get you to the place where you're walking on water, you're speaking to disease, where you're emptying hospitals, where you're raising the dead, where, where, where just, you're just blessing, you're giving out of, you don't know where it's coming from, but it keeps coming. If you're ready to walk in that, then I suggest you pray this prayer with me because I'm excited about what God's going to do. So let's bow our heads. Fakers fake it and the real just let's be real. Father, I need you. I acknowledge that I've been directing my own life. And that as a result, I've sinned against you. I thank you that you've forgiven me. My sins through Christ's death on the cross. I invite you to take your place on the throne of my life. Fill me with your spirit as you command me to be filled. And as you promised in your word that you would do if I asked in faith. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And as an expression of my faith, I now thank you for directing my life and for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Your will, God, not mine. Amen. 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 Now that's the easy part. Go out and walk it. Go out and walk it. Amen? Walk it. Walk it like the Spirit of God is in you. Walk it like you just made a change. Walk it like you're different. Walk it. Listen, you might not have felt anything. It, the, the Spirit of God isn't about goosebumps and shaking. The Spirit of God is about power and authority. So, so walk it like, like something happened. Amen? And, and man, we'll have to have a testimony night next prayer to just talk about all the stuff that God is doing. And I'm excited. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your body, Lord God. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for your spirit, God, which rests in us. Father, I pray that that same spirit would bring healing, that it would bring freedom, that it would bring deliverance, that it would bring power, that it would crush depression, that it would cripple fear, that it would silence anxiety, Father, that it would bring peace and joy and power and authority, God. In Jesus' name, we submit to you. Amen. Amen. Amen.